Phantom Sway podcast. Music, books, ritual human sacrifice. Wait, 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 wait. Not that last one. PhantomSway.com. And welcome to another How Inappropriate. I am your host, Kira Allen, here on the Phantom Sway Podcast Network. Uh, It's been a while. We're back. I had to take a little bit of a break for um, another project we've been working on. I'm really excited for you guys to see a short film about Harriet Tubman. Um, We wrapped that up and it's in post right now. So really excited for you guys to see that. But now that that's all done, I can get back to... Um, not making movies, but talking about movies. And so today, uh, to help me welcome the podcast back is a really good friend of mine. Um, He is a writer and he is the Lord of Popcorn and Soda. Please welcome (laughs) Brandon Morse. Brandon, welcome to the show. (laughs) I'm so glad you could uh, be with us today. I really appreciate you stepping in and and watching this movie from 1989. Today is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Had you ever seen this before? Yes, I have seen it a million times. Really? Before. I love this movie so much. <laughs> you know what? I, yeah. I have to admit, I don't think I've seen this movie since it came out. I mean, I've probably wow. seen pieces of it, just like everybody else, because it's kind of a part of pop culture. And yeah. I saw it in the movie theater. I may have seen it a couple of times on VHS after that, but I don't think I've seen it. <laughs> Since yeah. then, so it really was like watching it anew. And I, my husband and I were watching it, and I turned to him and I said, "This movie is too good for this podcast. It's a really <laughs> good movie." It, it actually is. I can my the first time I saw it, I, it was on videotape. My mom had rented it from Blockbuster, and uh, it quickly became one of my all time favorite movies. You know, right up there with Ninja Turtles when I was a kid, <laughs> and. Um, it's so funny because, like, yeah, I mean, I was quoting it for days after that, and I think it had a not just a long-lasting effect on culture in general, um, which it's not credited for as much as it should be. But even for me, because I still kind of loved going forward as a kid into an adulthood, like those kind of like dumb bro movies. It doesn't hold up now, but <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, you know, I think it kind of continued. I don't know if you've seen the new Twenty One Jump Streets. Yeah. Like oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I love those. Yeah. I could swear like the, it, it, they, they, they all all movies like that where it's like two dudes just broing out, having fun, going on adventures, solving mysteries. So like it all harkens back to Bill and Ted. I, I agree. I'm so glad you brought that up because I usually one of the questions that I ask when I'm doing this podcast is, um, you know, could we make this today and who would play these people today? And I was thinking, you know, well, we kind of are making this movie. This this kind this format never really gets old. Um, I was thinking another version of this is "Dude, Where's My Car?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, Ashton but, Kutcher and uh, I can't remember what Sean it, the other guy's name. William Scott, I think. That's it. Yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting side note or sad side note. He is one of those people that has that has come out from the Me Too movement, talking about his own um, sexual abuse as a young oh. actor in Hollywood. Yeah, and he was actually very involved with those guys that are have been accused of running the pedophile ring that that movie in Open Secret uh, details. So he was really at the front lines of that. So um, oh. a lot of people ask, you know, whatever happened to him, he dropped off the scene, but I just think he couldn't, 
he can cope with it anymore. So that's yeah. a kind of a sad note. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that to... is sad. No, that is sad. Because I always wondered, <laughs> I didn't hate him as an actor. I always thought he kind of had like this really like weird charm to him, despite the fact that it was so goofy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, he so. just kind of disappeared. And, and uh, I think that's why. But let's get into this movie. This is a 1989 uh, movie 90 Minutes starring uh, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves as Bill and Ted. Yeah. The, the plot of this movie is extremely simple. Bill and Ted need to pass the oral history report or they're going to fail school. We are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow, Ted. Um, and they find a magical phone booth with a magical guide through time played by the great late George Carlin and they travel through time in their phone booth and they gather different historical figures for their report. It's really that simple. Yep. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. I love it. I was watching it and I, I was saying, you know, this movie is really simple. They don't waste a lot of time with exposition or trying to explain stuff to you. It's just everybody mm. kind of accepts this movie going along the way. And so you do too as the audience. Which is actually really interesting because if you look at a lot of media around that time, everything that like including video games, you know, they don't really give you a lot of reason to do what you're doing. Just go do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. Don't don't ask too many questions. You don't need too much background on it. It's just fun. Have fun. You know, that's kind of what I thought about the Netflix movie Bright. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. I just recently saw that about, I think, uh, about a week ago. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought about that. There's people who are like, well, I didn't like it because they dropped you into the middle of this world and they didn't explain anything. And I was like, I, I felt like that was so refreshing. Like, they just trusted yeah. me to figure it out as we right. went along. And they didn't waste a lot of action time with exposition. And I really thought that that was a great, simple way to approach it. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and and that's actually, I think, a lot of its charm comes from the fact that it's not trying to make you think too hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, they, you, they, they want you to relate to the two main characters who, they, they just, they don't know really what's going on. They just kind of know they have a goal, and they need to work toward that goal, and you get to enjoy them doing that without, yeah. you know... Yeah. Having to learn some big moral thing at the end. I really you know. did. And I really did enjoy learning with them. In fact, but there were a couple of points along the way. We'll talk about them where I was a little, my brain was a little confounded, but we'll get to that. Let's just start out. We open up. Um, I mean, the opening sequences, Brandon, from the first opening sequences, my first thought was, wow, it's been a long time since I've seen a movie that makes you wait for the first scene. Yeah. Because it was just yeah. opening credits and music, and the '80s movies used to be like that. Like you, yeah. you went in the '80s and '90s. You went to movies to see movie stars, really. So the credits were important because mm -hmm. you were opening up on all these names. Nowadays, um, celebrity doesn't carry as much weight at the box office, but then yeah. it did. But I just thought, oh, that's interesting. Like now, our attention spans are so short that we've got to have a scene right away credits roll yeah. over the scene you have to get grabbed in the first like 10 seconds or right. else you'd kind of, kind of zone out right we're grabbing our phones and right. you know getting out candy crush so <laughs> so we open up that we open up on a, a rufus played by george carlin greetings my excellent friend um dressed in 80s future dress which <laughs> 80s future <Wait>. dress <laughs> Oh yeah, keep going, keep going. No, well, 80s future this. dress was like 
sharp collars and long coats and <laughs> yeah we all we were all like all badly dressed for the matrix back then yes yeah and, uh, shiny like... <laughs> shiny shiny <laughs> and then like here's i mean like just kind of jumping slightly off topic yeah. in bill and ted 2 it all it all transformed like everyone was wearing that kind of like mesh like nerf <laughs> style like clothing it was all brightly colored and we're all wearing these like overly large boots that you have to waddle in i was like future fashion is just horrible I, it must be difficult to design future mm -hmm. fashion for a movie but 80s future yeah. fashion was especially horrific it was as horrific as 80s fashion 80s fashion yes <laughs> yeah. our taste yeah. didn't improve with our vision of the future no it did not so we see Bill and Ted, we open up, they're in their garage, they're rocking out, they've got a video camera, this video camera is huge. <laughs> one, <laughs> one thing I love about doing movies from the past like this is that you get to see how far we've come technologically, and that really was yeah. the height of technology, like a huge video camera that you hold on your shoulder. Yeah. You know, like that was like something- Like a bazooka. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> and Not that, as heavy as a bazooka. No too. doubt. <laughs> no doubt. And that was something that rich people had then too. And now we all have video cameras in our pockets. Yeah. We carry them in our cell phones. And they're rock so Yeah. So they're rocking out. They they can't play for for poop. I gave up cursing for Lint, by the way. And it's a real problem for me. So but <laughs> you are free to use up uh, to use adult language on this show. Just know that I and I, I I will actually refrain too because I've been trying very hard just overall not to cuss as much <laughs> because I used to I used to curse like a sailor constantly yes. and and I'm like at one point in time it kind of slipped out in polite company and I was like oh god I didn't yeah. need to do that <laughs> I had the same I had the exact same issue so and I'm noticing how much I curse a lot now that I can't curse yeah yeah so anyways I I'm gonna make one exception at one point down the road here. But uh, um, so we see they're rocking out. They can't play for anything. They're horrible. But right away, one thing I noticed, Brandon, is like how likable these guys were. Like they, they just seemed so they had like a, a joy. It wasn't that you looked at them and you were like, these guys are so dumb. They're posers. Yeah. No, they're, they're, they're like, and, and I'm glad you said that. I always thought Bill and Ted, you know, uh, were legitimately happy guys who legitimately had a, a, like you said, a joy to them, you know, like they, they were just living in the moment and loving what they do. And that, that has like a super huge charm, especially nowadays, I feel like, you know, um, yes. cause like everyone's you said, like, so cynical. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just nice to be taken back to that kind of simplicity of character. I agree, Brandon. I, I did make a note here. Uh, would Bill and Ted be considered autistic in 2018? <laughs> <laughs> they were yes, so they like, would. well, Bill, I do not think, like, they don't use contractions at all. <laughs> and they... Bill, I do not think this is a good idea, <laughs> <Yeah>. dude. <laughs> I agree, Ted. We do open up on them. We get to know them a little bit. That they they head off to school. Clearly, these guys are what we would we in the eighties we would call them dudes. 
valley dudes. Valley um, dudes, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're space cadets. They're just kind of spazzed out, but, but seemingly good guys. They don't seem to have any malice in them towards anyone. They're just kind of living their lives. And they go to school, and they go to history class and yeah. uh, with their stern teacher. Now, normally in 80s movies, I like to play spot the black person. But Bill and Ted uh-huh. ruined that. Like it, it, we opened up on a black person, the teacher. <laughs> uh, he was the leader of the yes, future. The leader of the future as well. So um, that was cool, I thought. But uh, their stern uh, history teacher tells them, "Look, you guys are flunking because you're idiots, and if you can't pass this oral history exam tomorrow, then." You're good. You're gonna fail. We are in danger of flunking most heinously tomorrow, Ted. So that sets up our plot. Now they need to figure out how they're gonna pass because if they don't pass, Ted gets shipped off to military school. Ted is played by Keanu Reeves in a stellar performance, by the way. I thought Keanu Reeves was excellent in this movie. Excellent. Oh yeah, for lack of a better term. Yes. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> I um, thought he was really good. I actually no, he actually was, and and I mean, this movie did launch his career. He already had eight titles, movie titles under his belt before he actually came to Bill and Ted. But you probably don't remember them. Um, th- this is the movie for him that really launched him into the mainstream. And it was the movie that identified him forever, probably all oh, yeah. the way up until the Matrix, or maybe oh, it followed him around real bad. Maybe yeah. Speed. Maybe I think. Speed. I think he really ditched it in speed, but then uh, I, I actually I can't remember what came first. If it was Point Break or Speed? Oh yeah, I, it was Point Break first, but Point Break he was oh, kind okay. of a surfer dude, you know? Yeah, so he was. He was. He was, still, he was yeah. Ted. Who he was like? Yeah, right. He was like a more serious Ted. He was like FBI Ted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so probably yeah, Speed it, or Speed. He he ditched it, and then probably The Matrix. He just shed it all together. I would actually no. I wouldn't say that because there you could still see in several like moments. Like, you know, when he first watches Morpheus drop across the building, yeah. his reaction was just, uh. So, Ted, yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, there's Ted. Yeah. Uh, missed you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I I, uh, I thought when I saw his history teacher, I said, well, isn't this interesting? This isn't the, so this is another uh, uh, film role where Keanu Reeves is mentored by a stern black man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's the real role he can't get away from right there. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. But he, he did. I did have a nice little quote from him in here. Um, and I think it was before he did The Matrix where he said, you know, that that here lies Keanu Reeves. He played Ted will be on his gravestone. Like, that's how much this film yeah. filmography, this role followed him through his career. It dogged him for a while. Oh no! It absolutely did. Yeah, I mean, he it, it made him kind of a joke, um, to where you would see him in other movies and you'd be like, "Oh my gosh, that guy that played Ted is in a serious movie! Isn't that crazy?" Yeah. So, I, I would also say this though: one of the reasons that he got the part, like we, when they were interviewing people for the part, and you all have to pardon me. I'm kind of a a super fan, so I've watched the. the oh <laughs> the please, back. go right ahead. So they actually knew that Keanu Reeves was going to be. Uh, he actually originally got the part of Bill. And so they knew that he was going to be one of the characters from the get-go. They just loved him. Um, and then Alex came in uh, and, and, you know, they kind of hit it off. And they would actually, you know, try to in, uh, interview people or audition people. Uh, but every single time, like, you know, 
they would come back out and they'd be talking to each other. You know, Keanu would be talking to Alex Winter. And so that's they, they just knew that Keanu was the character that they were trying to go for. And Alex just fit it so well. So, I mean, it, the reason that it's followed him around so much is because he is Ted. You know, he absolutely is that character in real life. Yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I mean, I, I, I laughed at this movie, Brandon. I genuinely laughed. Yeah. Even from that that opening history scene where they're in class and the teacher is like, who was Joan of Arc? And, and then Ted was like, <laughs> no, Noah's <what>? wife. Who <laughs> was, like, was Joan of Arc? Genuinely laughing from the start. So Noah's wife? Uh, just to push this along a little bit, they, they realize they're in trouble. They go outside, they get picked up by Bill's mom, <laughs> who is his stepmom, oh. Missy. Yeah. And uh, she's the hot girl that was just a couple of years ahead of them in high school and now has married Bill's dad. And yeah, it's so weird because she's like gets mad when he doesn't call her mom. It's your mom, dude. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like I love the fact that it's a running joke throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Like like she's so unbelievably hot. (laughs) You know, it's like she's 80s hot. So, yeah, yeah, and and like the only person who ever seems to be upset about it is Bill. Yeah, <laughs> and I think in a way he's upset about it because she, you know, because she she's hot. He's somebody. Yeah. She's somebody he would probably did lust after in school. Oh yeah, <laughs> and now she's his stepmom. And now he uh, now it's like he's suffering for it, and everyone else gets to do it except for him. <laughs> right, right. So uh, she drives them home. We meet Missy the the. 80s hot stepmom we meet ted's dad who is a dick like every other 80s dad yeah um yeah. that was the like with the bully you're gonna get the horns that's type. <laughs> yeah i was always like why why does every 80s dad have to be a total a-hole it's like every 80s 80s screenwriter was working out their daddy issues I feel like they were in such a way because you are correct. Now that I think about it, I go back like all the dads. And this actually still followed around uh, all movies like this, especially in Dude, Where's My Car? Because you'll recall like the parents in that movie. Um, or was it? Where is it? Dude? Oh, now I'm getting lost. Oh, well, move on. I just feel like, yeah, you are right. That yeah. is like a trope. That was a trope that developed, you know, yeah. hardcore. Yeah. And in a way, the, the a lot of people ask why Bambi's mom had to be shot in the Disney movie Bambi. But when you're making a movie about kids, you have to eliminate the parents. Otherwise the kids don't have enough agency to go on an adventure. Yeah. So in a way, you know, you have to figure out a way to make these parents irrelevant because any good parent would intervene on anything that a kid is doing in a movie. Right. So exactly. Yeah. In that way, I I suppose. But this this dad is typical. He's a cop. They they clearly are. He's clearly a single dad. I don't know where the moms are. I think there's a movie there somewhere. Like what happened to Bill and Ted's moms? (laughs) Yeah. You know. (laughs) Yeah. They're gone. Out of the picture. (laughs) Spinoff movie. Yeah. and uh, the dad gives him the ultimatum. It's mil- it's past this test or it's military school. He he yeah. meets Bill. We don't waste any time really getting to the plot of this movie. I like that. Um, yeah. In drops George Carlin in the magical phone booth. Greetings, my excellent friend. And yeah. 
um, tells them all about what they need to do and, and, and where they're going to go. They're waiting outside. Uh, they're commiserating over slushies outside of a gas station. Bill, what? Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. And they run into Rufus and he, and he, uh, he tells them, oh, I do want to go back, though, a little bit. Because I, I see in mm -hmm. my notes here, there was a scene in Bill's room with Bill and Ted when they're trying to strategize. What are they going to do? How are they going to pass this oral history exam? And Missy comes in with some snacks for them, which is burnt cheese toast or something. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized Bill was the smart one. No, no. Yeah, no. Totally. He's got all the ideas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, there's another movie in there where Bill like actually goes on to become like a really like a scientist or something. Well, like, here's the save the world. Here's the fun part about that, though, is uh, they're actually planning and it's in the works right now. You can go on IMDb and look at it. A Bill and Ted three. So we might find out what's going on in their futures. Is it Bill and Ted three? Is there not? An, aren't there three Bill and Ted's? No, there are two. There's there's uh, Excellent Adventure and then Bogus Journey. Oh, where they play death? For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, play board games of death? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, so and this then, like, will be three. Yeah, Yeah, this will be three. And so, yeah, they've already kind of talked about the plot just a tad. Like, apparently they have to create a song to save the universe. And, you know, uh, they've got kids and their kids don't respect them in this day and age and stuff like that. So it actually, it's almost like we're going to see exactly how the 80s version of Bill and Ted would be treated in 2018. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm down yeah. for it. I really I just think am. that Bill and Ted are too good for this modern world, to be honest with you. No, you are so true. And I have some notes later on where I was like, we all need Bill and Ted now. Exactly. <laughs> but um, so the Rufus drops in. So there's that scene. And then Missy and dad go to bone in Bill's room, which is incredibly rude. Gross. This is their house. Can they not make it to their own bedroom, which is probably six feet away? <laughs> I don't know. That so gross. So gross. <laughs> well, and every, also every guy over 30 in that movie, like every extra or the dads, like almost mm -hmm. all of them had beards and big block chunky glasses. Yes. I'm like, was yeah. this hot? I don't, I don't, maybe, I guess that was like more of the, uh, of them trying to, age people away from bill and ted yeah if that makes any sense yeah yeah i, I guess don't know so. so i they the carlin drops in rufus tells them what they need to do you know and um this is where i wrote in my notes this movie is funnier than i remember i mean i was <laughs> genuinely giggling and laughing um and one of the things that i noticed is that it it Nobody in the movie seemed cynical about the movie. Like George Carlin played that role, Rufus, straight. Mm -hmm. Hi, welcome to the future. San Dimas, California, 2688. And I'm telling you, it's great here. The air is clean. The water's clean. You know, yeah. he didn't have contempt for Bill and Ted, yeah. which you would think would be setting up because they're such idiots. But I, I thought, yeah, like he told the audience how to feel by saying, we're taking everything seriously, you mm -hmm. know, and then we're just going to let you guys enjoy the ride. I really liked that. And that's a really interesting point, actually, because Rufus is, for all intents and purposes, kind of like the wise character, the one that, you know, is guiding 
Bill and Ted on their adventure and stuff like that. And then you kind of, you, you see him be more sympathetic and, and almost kind of fatherly toward Bill and Ted understanding. And that really endears him to the audience. And as he's, he's endeared to the audience and being that figure, that father figure, that guide, you kind of take almost like you're, you're taking at least his view of the boys, you know? Yeah. Uh, if, if you're around, if you're in, in the elder age area, you know, obviously <laughs> when I was a kid, I was Bill and Ted, you know? <laughs> But I think that's why everyone could love it because everyone's kind of, you know, if you were older, you saw Bill and Ted through uh, George Carlin's character's eyes, Rufus's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good point. I agree. So then second Bill and Ted show up from the past (laughs) 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 and they show up and tell first Bill and Ted all about the things that they're going to do. And this is where I was like, I turned to my husband. I'm like, my brain is trying to wrap itself around. This is not what the movie asks you to do, but because I'm a nerd, I can't help Mm -hmm. but think about all of the, the, like the physics behind Mm -hmm. time travel. Like the whole (laughs) idea of Rufus coming to help Bill and Ted with their history report is like, if they don't do this history report report, then they won't become the people they need to become to save the world and to create right. this futuristic utopia. But then I'm like, but then that doesn't happen without Rufus. So the future well, has to affect the past in order for the past to affect the future. Yeah. And that's, and that's this movie like completely ignores <laughs> yes. time paradoxes, which is like kind of harkens back to the whole, like it doesn't weigh you down that's with right. too much seriousness. Catch you later, Bill you know, that's right. you're just here to have fun, have fun. That's right. Yeah. They don't. And they, that's the thing. Like they don't ask you to understand it and they don't try to explain it. They're just yeah. like, this is what it is. Deal with it. Yeah, but exactly. I was having trouble dealing with it. Cause <laughs> I'm a nerd, so I was like, yeah, no, yeah. We're, I, I'm the same way. Like I'm a nerd. Like I want time paradoxes resolved. You know, I hate, <laughs> I hate the looping time paradox where, you know, um, you know, if you kill your grandpa, are you, are you born? uh, Are you even born? But if you're not born, are you there to kill your grandpa? You know, it's, it's back and forth. (laughs) I know. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, you know, then it's like relating to all kinds of matters of theology. Like, is it fated that, (laughs) that this loop happens? Like I was like, okay, calm down Kira and just enjoy the movie. So <laughs> Rufus shows them how to use the phone booth, which I thought is, I mean, it's such a dated um, thing, obviously, now. And I was wondering what that phone booth would be in 2018. Yeah. It's something, because it has to be something that people can fit into, because the phone booth is also a transport. Very yeah. yeah. So it wouldn't yeah. be, you couldn't just use a cell phone. Well, they originally wanted to use a van, mm-hmm. but they were too scared that they were going to, it was going to be too close to uh, uh, Back to the Future. Right. So they, I guess what they ended up doing was taking a page out of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. you know, in the TARDIS, which is a police box. And so they just went with the Boom. telephone booth. Right. Right. And I think that's great. I think that was a much better choice than a van anyway. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. It's Me too. more fun and random. Like this yeah. movie, so <laughs> I think it. I think it worked better. And I did read too that that meant they had to cut out some historical characters because you can't fit as many people into a phone booth, obviously. And, yeah. And I think that that worked out for the movie too. It didn't need to be longer than it was. It was a nice tight ninety minutes. 
Yeah. And and, and I think it, I think that was like exactly the right span of time. So um I did also notice that uh the phone call was 20 cents. I'm sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Please check your directory and dial again. Oh no. Party on, dude. Yeah, I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, remember those days? Now remember it's all we used to pay 20 cents a call and now we only pay $300 a month. I know, isn't that just the best? <laughs> I remember back when I was about like before cell phones really became a thing. Uh, you know, I was too poor to own one anyway. I would carry around in my wallet a piece of paper with like numbers and names jotted down on it. And then that's how I would contact people. If I wasn't at home, I would go up to pay phones, you know, with all my quarters that I had saved up so I could make calls to people. <laughs> it just sounds so primitive. <laughs> oh, I know. Nowadays it's like, wow, like I'm Amish or something. <laughs> so Bill and Ted travel through the circuits of history and they, they, their first stop is, is France. Napoleonic mm -hmm. France, where he is, uh, I think, planning a, the Russian invasion. Um, and they managed to suck Napoleon back into their time vortex when they leave. Um, and this is the point where I thought to myself, and this is interesting because it's one of the factoids I read later, but I, I didn't know at the time. But at that moment, I thought, oh, wouldn't it be interesting if Bill and Ted were the reasons for these historical Things. Yeah, like they were the ones that went back in time and like really like kind of caused these crafted things. the world as it is today. Right. Like like Napoleon won a major battle because they did something stupid, like tripped over a cannon and that blew up the right, you know. Yeah. Um and then in, I read in the notes later on that that was the original plot that they were that, responsible for yeah, that it was written that they were creating all of these historical events. But again, going back to the simplicity of the plot, I think that would have been interesting. But I think what we got was better because it didn't. Yeah. We didn't get bogged down in all of that. And you saw it reflected a little bit in their interaction with Socrates later on <laughs> uh, when they gave him the "dust in the wind" lyric. All we are is dust in the wind, dude. And, yeah. And then Socrates was like, "Oh, yeah." But uh, yeah, so they they grab Napoleon, poor Napoleon. He wakes up in this in their in Ted's little brother's bedroom. Yeah, um, being transported from what eighteen oh one France or whatever. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, I I just want to pause to yes. say that I <laughs> I think it's hysterical because now you look back at it and it's just it it looks awful. But back then, you know, we had that Windows kind of screensaver uh -huh. time travel thing going on there. <laughs> and they used and it, just, it to full advantage. Oh, man, they did. And you got to think, though, like back then, how hard was it to make that kind of 3D looking scene? Yeah. You know, but that was like advanced for the time. Oh, yeah, truly. I was thinking that, too, even in the opening credits. I was like, oh, I bet whoever did this was like, this is gonna be rad. I know. People are, <laughs> people's minds are gonna be blown, man. <laughs> this is technology. Dude. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so Nowadays, they, we got like Pixar movies and everything with like expert cell shading and, and all this stuff. Entirely CGI <laughs> casts. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I, I just think it's interesting that 
it all started, not all started, but you know, one of the first things we we saw out of that whole 3D experience was Bill and Ted's yeah. <laughs> travel through time. <laughs> 3D travel through through MS DOS. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So, so they take Napoleon back and they they make um Ted's completely useless little brother. I mean, he's just he's just a plot device. He has no He's nobody, but <laughs> there he is to look after Napoleon. They're like, dude, like, just take him to the movies or something. <laughs> and then, so the little brother disagrees. That's the thing about this movie. Like, everyone just kind of agrees to what is happening around them. You know, there's yeah. not a whole lot of what is going on. You know, everyone's kind of like, huh? Oh, oh, okay. You know, and I like that too. It just keeps the plot moving. We don't need to keep explaining things to people. Yeah, just go with it. And so Bill and Ted leave Napoleon there and they go off. They're going to go get some more. Bill's got the great idea. We're going to get all these people from history and we're going to get them to give our report. And of course they run into Ted's dad on the way out and Ted's dad has to have a talk with him and he, he lectures him and he starts talking to him about you're never, I can't depend on you. You know, you always do everything wrong. You're always practicing your stupid band with Bill, who's a bad influence, and your band's going to be nothing, and you're going to be nothing. And I'm like, gosh, this dad is so unsupportive. <laughs> I know. But he, I mean, he's the typical 80s dad. You know, yeah. straighten up, you know, do the right thing, get a job, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, you know, at the time, and especially in the 80s, you know, we were all about having fun and, and just being cool and yada, yada, yada. So that was like the antithesis of, of everything good back in the day. So right. that. That really came out in 80s movies. It did. I was just like, as a parent myself, I was just like, oh, I can't imagine. My son does does choir and I can't imagine telling him like, this is never going to amount to anything. You're wasting your time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that, my mom would never do that. She <laughs> it was so supportive. Like I, I, I never could fully relate to people with those kinds of parents. My mom was so cool, you know. But uh, no, you know what's interesting though is like I feel like those characters did evolve later. I mean, it, they they went from being like these fall in line dads to you know we're actually evil, and and you actually notice that characters became more cynical as time went on toward mm-hmm. their parents. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so they get into the phone booth, and they decide where to go. I love where they're reading, you know, the different places they could go. And Bill played by Alex Winter is like, Oh, let's go see like Socrates and Beethoven. And I, was just like, <laughs> I giggled at every one of those things. I, love it. I loved it. I was like, I giggled every time they said Beethoven. <laughs> so they, they get in the, uh, phone booth and they their first stop is a old wild west where they meet billy the kid and there's a great fight scene in the bar which is just like complete chaos it reminded me of um i don't know like something out of a monty python movie <laughs> just like complete like all of a sudden everybody starts fighting like i'm gonna smash this bottle over your head and look we're crashing through a window and it's just utter chaos they grab Billy the Kid, get him in the phone booth again. Just another thing of like, okay, this is happening. Yeah. And that's They're just it. kidnapping people. That's not, you know, whatever. And Billy the Kid, he's like, huh? Huh? All right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just go with it, dude. So they get Billy the Kid. 
They stop off um, in ancient Greece. They get Socrates. Socrates, for those of you who are wondering, who haven't seen the movie. Um, <clears throat> and they have a funny little exchange where they, they try to exchange philosophies. But, of course, Bill and Ted aren't smart enough to have any real philosophy. So they just quote lyrics from Dust in the Wind. All we to are. Socrates. And he's amazed the wind, by it. Dude. Yeah. Which I always thought was weird. Because even as a kid, I was like, didn't he just say yeah. that to his Yes. That's the very thing that he just said. Why yeah, is he so amazed? Said, I guess because Bill and Ted got it. Oh, uh, maybe that's yeah. what it was. Like, oh, okay. These guys get it. And so then they kidnap Socrates. Then they stop off in medieval times. And uh, now this is where I said to myself, this movie is so simple. It does not burden me with mm-hmm. anything else but the Avenger because they're in medieval times. Bill and Ted, there's a scene where they're standing in front of the phone booth and, and Bill and Ted are looking out. They're looking at the castle and they're looking at where they are and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, what should we do? Let's go find somebody. And if you look in the background, Socrates and Billy the Kid are behind them and they're playing ball. Mm-hmm. They're just throwing a red ball back and forth. And Billy yeah. the Kid is just... Throwing it to Socrates. So it was like the movie didn't even try to give them like something to do or give, you know, it was just yeah. like, we don't need to see them figuring this out. That's not what this movie is about. We're just going to pretend that they are accepting everything along the way and learning yeah. along the way. So they're just playing ball, just throwing a ball back and forth. One thing that I always time. thought was cool as a kid, though, was like, man, like you're seeing different time periods interacting with each other which i thought was neat yeah but they didn't do much with it but like you know billy the kid and socrates just kind of like chatting it up you're like that's kind of an interesting concept (laughs) what would they talk about yeah yes so they uh, bill and ted leave leave socrates socrates and billy the kid behind and they head to the castle they're gonna look around and they and they find themselves in knight's armor. They're hiding yep. from people that are looking for them. And then there's this really great scene where they um, they have all the knight's armor on, the dangerous past, and then they realize how cool they look. They're like, oh, look at these, you know, look at this. And they find these swords, and then they have like a one-minute-long sword fight. Hey, Bill! What? I'm dull. It's just them like, oh, yeah, I'm your father. And, like, <laughs> and I thought and it was one of those scenes. We talked about the joy of these characters in the beginning. And mm-hmm. it was one of those scenes where it was like, it was just pure joy. It was just these two teenage yeah. boys doing what any two teenage boys would do yeah. in that situation. Like they're in mortal danger. They're time traveling, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're doing things that, that are beyond the laws of reality and physics, but mm-hmm. they have some cool swords. So and that, exactly. So they got to swing them around. Yeah. You know? And I think that actually, that adds so much charm to the movie. Like just the fact that, yeah, there's that, like, despite all of the weirdness going on around you, they're still acting like any teenage kid would. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that was actually, that if you'll notice like a lot of, if you, if you adopt that kind of, no matter how insane things are getting if you adopt that little bit of realism into the story into the characters people will fall in love with those characters um i know for a fact like matt stone and trey parker of south park 
they said that they actually try to make it a point to inject little kid stuff, like them playing and doing stuff as much as often as they can into those boys before they're sent off on these like super adult adventures mm -hmm. because it really brings charm to their story and the character. Uh, yeah, I agree. And that's what it did. I was just like <laughs> these dorky boys, you know, playing with swords yeah. And then, um, so it was just a cute scene. And then Ted falls down some stairs and it looks like he gets stabbed by um, a bad guy and he's dead. Yeah. And then there's this big scene where Bill is like just distraught and this is not most excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, but there, I did write in my notes, there's the moment that he, he watches Ted get stabbed. He goes, yeah. Ted. Oh, Ted. Don't be dead, dude. And it just reminded me of Elijah Wood and Lord of the Rings. Gandalf! <laughs> Gandalf! Why, like, you fools? <laughs> it was like that. And he was like, this is bogus. <laughs> um, and then it's revealed a few minutes later that Ted has not died. And he pops up. And there's this moment, one of the only really inappropriate moments in this film that could not yeah. get made today where they're so happy to see each other and they just totally bro out and they hug yeah. and then they like step back and look at each other and they both look at each other and they both go fag, fag. <laughs> <laughs> which I laughed at by the way I still laugh it's hysterical oh yeah no, no it's it's still funny it's I mean it's so funny. inappropriate nowadays you, it would not be able to get, that's actually like one of the two scenes I feel like no one would be able to get away with nowadays in oh, this yeah. movie but yeah, it's funny though. Back then, you know, that was not that big of a deal. You know, we—it's just something that you just kind of said whenever you wanted to make fun of your friend. Yeah, for seeing you know? gay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now it's like it's way too hardcore because you know it's way too personal now. With well, I was thinking if that was today that they would have kissed. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, they might have. They would have been. It would have been a reveal that they were in love. Yeah, and if they weren't, then you would have seen messages on yep. like you know, boards and all sorts of Twitter. Why didn't? Why didn't we make these LGBT characters? They were. They yeah. totally are in love. I know. <laughs> yes. God, that is one thing that just drives me crazy yes. about now. It's like no one can just be. It's like the Captain America and Bucky right. uh, Barnes thing. You know, it's like. Just leave – two guys can be can be friends, can be very close friends to the point where they're brothers and they do love each other without being Sexual. gay. yeah. Yeah. Like, I, stop it, introducing sexuality. If that's the yes. case, then, like, our entire military, right. you know, they would, they would write them off as gay just but, because – but they, that's a bond they share. I read a very – this is a sidetrack, but I read a very interesting uh, blog post uh, by a social scientist once about the language we use to describe friendship – and how the sexual revolution changed it, particularly the, the gay revolution and yeah. how, um, you know, as a, as a society, as we progressed and come to accept, you know, our gay brothers and sisters and, and kind of accept that lifestyle as as part of the American diaspora, um, mm -hmm. that also what has happened, it's changed the way that we talk about the relationship between men. Because yeah. now sexuality is has been introduced into the mix. And so where it used to be that it was very um, common for men to be very, very close, yeah. um, especially in like medieval times and like men <clears throat> that, that that was a bond. Men and women were very much separate. 
So men found intimate relationships, non-sexual intimate relationships with other men and they were best friends and it had a lot of literature quotes and all kinds of, and there, and, um, like oftentimes it wasn't odd for men to like share a bed until they were married or it just was like, yeah, part of, but even to describe it, it sounds gay, you know? Oh no, yeah. (laughs) Because I I remember reading a, a George McDonald, uh, story. Um, I don't know if you've ever read Fantastis. No. But okay, so in you know he was this was like the guy that inspired C.S. Lewis, you know, um, and so he was writing kind of in this old way and stuff like that, and he described at one point in time uh, how he and his brother were close and how yeah they would sleep in the same bed and cuddle, you know, uh-huh. but that was not yeah. odd back then you know that was just that that was just the way they were and nowadays it's like yeah that would be looked at as oh that's totally gay yeah yeah it was the whole thing like how our language has changed so when watching that scene i was like man our language has changed so much right that that is and then there's a whole other thing about how that leads to toxic masculinity because then men feel driven to overcompensate to overcome this language anyways complete sidetrack but <laughs> but so they have that moment where I was like, oh, this would not happen. Um, and they would probably be lovers. And then they, they meet the princesses. Oh, you beautiful babes from England for whom we have traveled through time. Will you go to the prom with us in San Dimas? We will have a most triumphant time. Yeah. Uh, the, the princess babes. Yeah. <laughs> and I just love that moment too. Another innocent joyful moment nothing sexual about it you know mm-hmm. they didn't even sexualize these girls i mean they were pretty girls and they wanted to be with them and so and they wanted because, to say something they nice were hot. to them yeah <laughs> and they want to say something nice to them right <laughs> and that's know? the other thing that i felt like nowadays wouldn't fly the princesses you know like the way that they they were kind of treated in the movie yeah um because they don't really give you too much backstory they don't really like i mean they, they give you a little insight into their character but they don't become like this huge part of the plot where you know you get to know their soul what we do know about them is that they're hot and they're nice right right i guess if we were doing it today the princesses would be like ninja warriors yeah the princesses would rescue bill and ted exactly somehow you know they could throw a punch that would knock a guy out you know immediately (laughs) yes (laughs) so they meet them and the princesses tell them well we're our father's making us marry these two royal ugly dudes like just these two old guys and we want to escape can you help us and then the father shows up and immediately orders bill and ted to be killed again another instance where the movie is just like everyone in the movie is just like hmm okay yeah like these guys are clearly not from their time clearly not from their area they're dressed in weird clothes but they're just you know the dad's just like well you know execute them and, and I, that's what you did back in the day. You yeah. see something strange and kill it. Kill it. I have in my notes, even medieval dads are dickheads in the 80s. <laughs> so that's, that's actually funny. A funny observation. I never actually made the link there. Yeah. So um, they almost die. They almost get their heads chopped off, but are rescued at the last second. By Billy the Kid and Socrates. I love that moment. <laughs> I do. More and than... it's so out of left field, too. Yeah, you don't totally. See that you do not yeah. see that coming. In fact, I was just beginning to wonder where they were. Yeah. You know, and then they came in. I'm like, oh, that's fun. So they get in the phone booth. 
and they take off they without the princesses unfortunately but you know they yep. got a history report to do they got to do exactly it. the world's fate depends on it exactly. so and then they head to the future and again it's another this is the 80s future <laughs> where you know the, we all apparently live in caves yes we live in caves with strange illumination and uh, there's always some like kind of ambiance that's playing in the background, and, and, we ha- and we all wear '80s Oakley sunglasses. Yes, like reason. those, like the I don't even know how to describe them with the sharp edges, like lightning. Yeah. And we're from the future. And all <laughs> it was just funny, but I loved this scene because yeah. Bill and Ted end up in the, for lack of a better term, throne room. Of, yeah. of the futuristic council. These are the people that sent Rufus back to get Bill and Ted in the first place. And they end up there and they're like, whoa, you know, we're the future. And then the guy, you know, the the future council members are like, ah, well, we're so glad to see you. You know, what are you doing here? Uh, you need to get back to your business. And then they give them the universal signal or the universal sign of hello or whatever, or greeting, yeah. which is the guitar strum, they're playing the air guitar, yeah, the air guitar, <laughs> uh, which I laughed, Brandon, every time they did it. <laughs> every time they did that, I felt like such a kid. I was like giggled every time they did it. But um, so then they realize, oh, so they start doing the strum, and in the future, it's a slower movement, but it's yeah, it's like the guitar, it's like a strum. somber, solemn, yeah. And so they, <laughs> they mimic it and then the count. So they're doing it with the council. And then all of a sudden from the corridors of this cave, like random future dressed eighties people come out, <laughs> but they still look so eighties. Yeah. <laughs> Everything, but they come out and the music starts playing and they all start strumming together in unison. Mm-hmm. I loved most, that moment. Most magical moment. In movie history. <laughs> I thought it ranks up there. I really, it was a moment where the movie actually like had some significance for me. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is a beautiful scene. And they're all yeah. strumming together. And then the future council people say, do you have anything to say before you leave? And Ted just says, be, be excellent, excellent to, each, to other. each other. And that's where I wrote in my notes, we need more Bill and Ted in exactly. 2018 isn't exactly. that advice for all of us exactly no absolutely it is this this, this is the you know what this is actually maybe bill and ted do become kind of like the ultimate peace guys in real life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just lead us all to peace yeah excellent too. like if we could just be like bill and ted just kind of like more accepting of how things are not exactly. questioning so much, not being so cynical and just enjoying the ride of life and being excellent to exactly. people along the way. <laughs> I was just like really moved by that. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's so funny though. Cause like you're, you're sitting there and it's been goofy, 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 you know, you've been going along with these guys. Now you've fallen in love with them already and you kind of know who they are. And they're, they're just like these two goofy ne'er-do-wells who, you know, they're, they're, they're just fun, right? And then you come in here and that's like this super serious moment and you find out that all these people have a love and respect for them and just kind of like like the future was shaped by these guys. So, And, and, and this is going to sound weird, but it's kind of like one of those messages. Like even these dudes 
have this super important part to play and everyone loves them because they are who they are, you can be cool too. You know, like, yeah, I don't know know if that was the intention of the writers, but that is exactly how I felt when I was watching it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so they have that moment. They go on, they got to get on their way. This the movie speeds up a little bit here. Um, they go get a few more people. They go get Sigmund Freud. Uh, they go get Beethoven, Beethoven, right. for those of you who aren't. They go get um, Joan of Arc. Yeah. They go get Genghis Khan. They drop in on Genghis Khan. He's being a total pig, just like mm-hmm. eating chicken and then like making out, forcing some maiden next to him making out. And then one, I did make a note of this because <laughs> he was like chomping on this drumstick, right? When they yeah. And it was real. Like, he was yeah. really eating and just being a gross pig, and he had this beard, and everything was in his beard. And then he turns to make out with this chick. Ugh. And I thought to <laughs> myself, like, the the shot is from behind. So there would have been no need for him to have put his lips on that girl. Like, mm-hmm. everything could have just been faked. But when he pulled up, whatever was on his lips ended up on her lips. I noticed that and I was like so disgusted and I was like that guy what an a-hole I bet in the look if you go back and you look at that scene you can see that girl you can see the look on her face like she's disgusted (laughs) how many takes do you think they had to do too (laughs) I was like that actor what a a-hole Uh-oh. he knew what he I was hope... doing there was no need for him to put his mouth anywhere on that girl for that scene and he did it anyway and then got his gross chewed up drumstick out of her i really hope that girl went on to do something great i did <laughs> not she, recognize her, she deserves she a better had... future than what she was <laughs> she really did i i, I thought <laughs> she really did she probably got the day rate for extras which in 1989 was probably about 15 dollars $15 for that scene that's way too little I'm sorry. I know I think the day rate for extras now is something like 85 so it couldn't have been that much yeah in anyways that was something I noticed about that scene and it just it made me angry I was like dude you didn't have to do that that was not cool that um, might be one of those other scenes that wouldn't fly nowadays <laughs> maybe maybe yeah I kind of thought that too like she yeah. would have smacked him or something, just some girl power moment there. Yeah, exactly. But I have to put up with this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna stand up to Genghis Khan. Yes. He's killed more people than Hitler. <laughs> but Genghis Khan turned out to be a decent dude. Um, yeah. And a decent skateboarder. Yeah, um, and baseball player. Uh, let's see. Then they go get uh, Abraham Lincoln. I love how they get him. They knock on the door of the White House and say, "Candy Graham." <laughs> <laughs> another moment where it's just like huh oh okay you know and he gets in the booth and and you know what later on no concern for security despite the fact that he... <laughs> yeah, right 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 none none he learned nothing no which led to his eventual fate oh um so we cut to Napoleon with the little brother and we get to see some scenes of Napoleon navigating eighties American life, the little brother and, and his two girlfriends, I guess, take him to the bowling alley. Napoleon's a cheat. He cheats at bowling. Um, they give him ice cream. Um, and then Napoleon gets a little bossy. So they ditch him. 
<laughs> ditched Napoleon. Just Napoleon. Yeah, that wasn't cool. But Napoleon seemed yeah. to do all right for himself. For himself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see. I have here. I'm just looking at my notes and trying to think where they are. Oh, so they do go find Napoleon at the Waterside Park. Is yeah, that where they find him. He's having a great time. Yeah. He's having a great time in San Dimas going to the uh, going to the water park, which I actually did film there. Most of the movie was actually filmed in Arizona in Phoenix, believe it or not. Yes. But that that part was shot in San Dimas. Yeah. So he goes off to the water park while and while there um, there was a scene also. I, I actually skipped over this where they're they're trying to get back because they need to get Napoleon. They need to get back to school. And they realize the antenna is broken on the phone booth, and so it's not guiding them directly. So they have to take a pit pit stop, and they have all of their guys lined up. You know, Freud and Socrates and Beethoven, and he, um, Keanu Reeves gives them chocolate pudding to eat. Eventually, they use the tin cans. But when he <laughs> did that, I said, "Chocolate pudding in a can? I have not had chocolate pudding in a can." That's how you got it. When I was a kid, it was in a can. Now it's in a plastic really? cup. Yes. Yeah. Chocolate pudding. I've only in a... ever known it in a plastic cup. Oh yes, chocolate pudding in a can tastes so much better. Uh, yeah, I imagine it does. Anything that comes in in aluminum or glass is just going to taste better than plastic. Yeah, like Coke. Yeah, exactly. I like. There's no replacement for Coke in a glass bottle. I'll I'll take glass first, then aluminum. Yeah. Plastic is last. Last, even fountain I'll take before yeah. plastic. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Plastic is the worst delivery system for, for consumable products. Okay, ever. I'm glad we agree on this point. Yes. Absolutely. So, so chocolate pudding in a can just brought me back to being a kid. Um, and then they, they chew up a bunch of bubble gum. <laughs> and they fix the thing <laughs> and they come back. And that's when they go find Napoleon. And he's at the water slide park. Um, yeah. But they land on the way back. They land in the backyard and, and Missy. The hot stepmom, hot eighty, hot eighty stepmom is gardening because that's what mm-hmm. you do, I guess, when you're a hot eighty stepmom. Well, it's nice to meet you all. There's sodas in the fridge, and yeah. she's got her Walkman on. <laughs> I love it. And again, another moment where it's just like, huh, huh? Yeah. Oh, all right. Like this magic phone booth drops in behind her. Yeah. All these historical figures come out and they're like, hey, can we get a ride? And she's like, oh, all right. You know, this <laughs> is like, welcome, you know, have a good time. I just, yeah, why not? I sure. just thought it was so, I have in my notes right at this scene, everyone just goes along with this and so does the audience. Yeah. And this is where I think every writer should pay attention because the audience will go on the ride that you take them on. Mm-hmm. And if you don't treat them like idiots, you know, mm-hmm. then they won't yeah. view your movie as idiots. If you, yeah. you, I think if you place a little faith in your audience, you can take them wherever you want them to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, it, but like, it's like you said, don't treat them like idiots. Understand that this is a goofy movie that you're going in yeah. to a goofy movie and that kind of fun, that kind of just carefreeness is, is completely warranted. It's fine. Don't worry about it. The, the, the audience won't even notice it. Right. And I didn't. I mean, I, I noticed it enough to make a note, but just, you know, it yeah. didn't lessen my enjoyment of the film. Yeah. So they, Missy drops them off at the mall. They take them to the mall because they want these guys to know American life. It's part of the history report. So they, 
and they they leave them at the, at the mall. Bill and Ted are very irresponsible. They leave them at the mall. This mall is so 80s, by the way. You did mention that most of this was filmed in Arizona. This mall was in Arizona as well. Um, yeah. And it is like 80s top to bottom. It's everything I remember about the mall in the 1980s. It is Muzak and um, neon lights and so many bangs. So many yeah. bangs. Yeah. And they get them slushies or drinks or whatever, taking the food court. And then they're like, yo, just like, hang out. We'll be back. And they go find, they go off to find Napoleon, who is at the water slide park, at the water park, enjoying the water slide, which that scene where he slides down the water slide, this might be the only criticism I have of the movie, was far too Mm -hmm. long. It took him like a full minute to get down the water slide. (laughs) (laughs) the first time i was like this is ridiculous also the thing i did notice brandon i was like okay this is a school day bill and ted are in school they are supposed to be in school in two hours to deliver their report and yet the water park is full of kids oh you know i didn't even think about (laughs) yeah i was like where is are bill and ted like the only people their school's the only school open today or what is happening well i mean maybe they actually went back to a weekend you know like when they dropped him off why are the why are the history report? Because they have to go, do the history report in two hours at school. I th- yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just one of the things you have to write right off. It's like they think it's well, in two yeah. hours, but they have a time machine. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Two I mean, hours can be four hours right. from now. Clearly, I, I did everything you have to just write off in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> just I, go with it. <laughs> just go with it. And I just did. Just go with it. I did, but I it did make me think. Like maybe all the – like elementary and middle schools got out and high school still had like a week sometimes that happens yeah but maybe. yeah i i mean I, I it's fine i justified it but i did <laughs> i was like so um we cut to socrates and billy we cut to everybody else at the mall everybody else is discovering modern american life and socrates and billy the kids sidle up to these two teenage girls at the food court and hit on them and my first thought of course was like gross because socrates is like 100 years old and he's like totally macking on these chicks yeah i was like i was well, like back in the he... day i bet socrates was kind of the ladies man you know he was like the philosopher oh the God. philosopher can you imagine oh well he was basically a professor so yeah. you know how professors can oh yeah, be. See, yeah yeah exactly he knew what he was doing that's actually a good point <laughs> <laughs> And then the girls laugh at them and call them geeks, which I thought was funny because I do remember that in the 80s, geek was geek and nerd were very derisive terms. They were insulting. They were abusive. They were the terms when you were a bully. That's what you called someone. Now they're like terms of endearment. Yeah. And girls are all like, you know, they'll put on glasses like, oh, I'm 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 such a nerd. nerd. I (laughs) (laughs) am. The other day I saw a J.J. Abrams film. I am such a I'm nerd. I'm such a nerd, you guys. I I ordered this. I know you guys. I'm such a nerd. I ordered this retro Star Wars print for this skirt that I'm making. <laughs> I'm such a nerd. <laughs> I get so annoyed by the I'm such a nerd posts. Almost, yeah. almost as annoyed as I get with I'm such an introvert posts. Oh, yeah. Everybody's a freaking introvert these days. Yeah. It's so weird, though, that... Just offside shoot. Yeah, like all the stuff that back in the day would have been like, well, we don't really 
want to be like that. You know, we want to be more outgoing. We want to be more fun. We want to be more of a jock than we are a nerd. But yeah. no, now it's like the complete opposite. Yeah. And it, yeah, we, it, it's the same. Obnoxious... The Revenge of the Nerds is that we are all nerds now. <laughs> right. By the way, The Revenge of the Nerds is a movie that we plan to get to on this show. Nice. Yes, we have not gotten there yet. I'm waiting for a particular guest whose schedule has been very busy. But yes, we will get to that movie here. Um, yeah, but I was thinking that. I was, I was like, oh, that was an insult. But now it's like a badge of honor. And no one yeah. really who wears it as a badge of honor is really a geek or a nerd. Exactly. Yeah. I've, they made fun of me back then in the 90s when I was in elementary school. Like, you're a nerd. Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, <laughs> it just it meant you weren't like connected to like society. You weren't really connected yeah. to like things that were going on socially, exactly. you know, and now it's the opposite. You're like hyper connected, you know, yeah. all of the background of Star Wars, you know, all of the actors who are playing in the next Star Wars movie, you know? Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't care for the modern I don't care for the Zoe deschanelization of nerds. That's actually a great way to put it. The Zoe deschanelization. <laughs> yes. Yes. I like that. That's good. Uh, so they call them geeks. They, they go off. We see uh, everybody's getting into trouble. Uh, Beethoven has found the electric keyboard and he's going off. Joan of Arc has found the aerobics instruction in the main part of the mall because I guess in the 80s, that happened you had aerobics instructors at the mall i guess i don't remember that but so she's enthralled by that and pushes the aerobic instructor instructor aside and takes over the class because she's joan of freaking arc she's joan of arc she can do whatever she wants yep um and then the mall cops come in because they're just these guys are causing all kinds of havoc and it's enough so the mall uh genghis khan finds a bat in the sporting goods store and and immediately destroys a mannequin um <laughs> and then the mall cop you know calls the other mall cops like we've got a live one but i was watching this and the mall cops eventually arrest all of them but i did remember thinking how many mall cops are there in this mall there's and here's so the other thing many. you should probably think about how come genghis khan didn't try to kill any of them right <laughs> because it was a pg well, I don't even know no, if they no, had just, ratings at this time, but yeah. In, yeah, no, in real life, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Genghis Khan, if they tried to restrain him, he would have taken that bat. Yeah. Oh, in real life, this would have been a whole other thing. This would have been, yeah, a whole Same with Billy thing. the Kid. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> he's armed. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. No one's going to question the fact that he's walking around saying Demas with a pistol. Yeah. Just kinda... <laughs> and I don't know much about. 1989 California. I live in California now. And I know the gun laws are pretty strict. I imagine they weren't that I, lax in 1989. No, I, I, they were still then. Yeah. Oh well. Just go with it, man. Yeah, and I did. So they, uh, they all did this dearth of mall cops. I guess this is the the, the, the army, most, <laughs> like the best guarded mall ever in the history yeah, of America. There's like, like a small mall platoon. Cops. Yeah. <laughs> yes i don't know what's going on at this mall but apparently they need yes a platoon um, of mall cops to to police it so they arrest all these people well now bill and ted have come back to the mall they've got napoleon but now everybody else is gone oh my gosh who would have thought that they just left them at the mall that they wouldn't be right where they were exactly who knew excuse me so they 
they um, have to go to the police station. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yep. <laughs> this that's, is a... where, that's where the movie starts to get, like, real technical without explaining how it's being technical. I have in my, mo- I have in my notes, my mind is bent again. <laughs> 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 so they go to the police station. Of course, Ted's dad works there. Um, they're interviewing all of these wacky characters, and they're getting ready to throw them in jail. Ted, Bill and Ted go down there. What are we going to do? And then they say, well, then they have this whole thing. Well, like, we're now, but like, if we could, let's write a note to our future selves to tell us to do this so that, you know, then that, like, give it, leave something for us to get these guys out. So what if we, yeah. like, tell them to, like, hide dad's keys and, like, then I have to remember to write a note to myself in the future so that, well, where would you hide the keys? I'd hide them behind the sign and then they go look at the sign and the keys are there because I guess is. future yeah. Bill and Ted have done it. And then I'm like, and that begins a whole litany of of things that they do yeah. that are a voice prompt- recorder set yeah. to that specific minute that they needed it to go off. Yes, that are just prompted by them just saying it because by saying it, they're prompting their future selves to do it or reminding right. them. Uh, I was so, I was like, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> again, this is where like, yeah, I, I was just like too analytical about it. I was like, okay, turn it off, Kira. Turn it off. Just yeah. go with it. But just it, go with it. But it was fun. It was a really fun scene, and they break out all those guys, and then they yeah. Missy is like a dutiful mom, I guess, is waiting outside with the station wagon to to rush them all to school <laughs> because so... they are late. Oh, I almost yeah. forgot they do before that that their phone booth drops them outside that gas station. Another moment yeah. where I was like, mind bend. Yeah, they're talking to. I guess now this is past Bill and Ted. And they're saying the same things, you know, like, don't forget to say your watch. Ted, don't forget to wind your watch. Oh, don't like say hi to the princesses and all that. They're giving them instructions, which again is like, okay, so this whole thing depends on them telling their their past selves to do something that needs to happen in the future, which needs to happen so that their past selves can do that. Yeah. It's, it's a, it'll give you a headache if you try to think about it. It really will. It really will. And then when they they turn to go, they've already reminded Ted about the watch. They turn mm-hmm. to go, and then they're like, this is really important. And Ted says, I better remind myself again. So he turns and he says, hey, don't forget about the watch. And I'm like, okay, that's an addition yeah. to what he did in the beginning. So does every time, because this is a loop, so this is Mind Ben, this is happening over yeah, and over exactly. and over again in the circuits of time. So does every time, do they add something to that interaction? And then what does that do to the future? Brandon! Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> They're screwing it all up. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I just caught in my craw. But um, they get in the station wagon. Missy takes them to school because now they only have, like, they're, like, pushing it. They got to get yeah. there or they're going to fail. I, I said, I have my notes here. You know, it was really nice of Missy to drive like a maniac. For yeah. Them, which she did. She like knocked over trash cans and ran through lights. And I was like, you know, because, Missy's not yeah. a bad stepmom. It's your mom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the movie needed her to do it. And, and so, you know, so what's better it. than the hot stepmom doing yeah. <laughs> everything she can for her boys. <laughs> 
so they go to uh, apparently the entire school is present for the hi- oral history report. Yeah. Um, yeah. They do it in that, the auditorium. Why not? That was so odd. There's like 400 students in this auditorium. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like each I, I was like is every student giving a report how long does this take yeah exactly that's like one of the even as a kid I was like this is this is not how things work, this is not <laughs> how things work. the principal and the other history department teachers are sitting at the back as if they're judging like American Idol exactly and the the, the main this really will decide the rest of your future yeah really will. And the main history teacher is just after every report like F C a, like there's no well he got the points or good on oral presentation but bad on yeah. like just like a b f and it's that 80s brutality yeah and like you see the the jocks up there like san, san dimas high school football rules san dimas high school football rules <laughs> everybody i was just thinking like how long did it take to go through 400 reports it seemed like bill and yeah. ted had a lot of time to get exactly. there um so they uh, they get to school and just in time, and then they open on their presentation, which is very well put together. I mean, it's got a light show. They open yeah. the curtains on. It's got a soundtrack. It's yeah. got like uh, sound effects. Yeah. I think at one point there's some fog that comes rolling in. I mean, yeah. they really put this thing together like nobody's business. It was fantastic. I was like, Bill and Ted should do the Oscars. Exactly. Yeah. I, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine an Oscars hosted by Bill and Ted? Please give it to me. For the love of God, do it. Please, it would be way somebody. better than Anne Hathaway and James Franco. Oh, so much better. The worst <laughs> Oscars ever. Ugh. Uh, I actually felt sympathy for Anne Hathaway, which is rare. <laughs> yeah, actually felt that's bad. hard for me to do. Yeah, I felt bad for her. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was very well put together. Again, another moment where you're just asked to go with it. Just accept it. Mm-hmm. This is this yeah. is happening. And they give this presentation. Each of the historical figures tells them about their time and tells them what they like about San Dimas and Bill and Ted um, present their facts. And it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's 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 well researched, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. And I love their use of live props. That's great. It was mm-hmm. really good. I thought it was a very good presentation. They deserved an A for it. And um, Yeah, where did they get that therapist couch? Out of curiosity. Just go, just go with it. <laughs> just go with it. <laughs> just go with it. It was maybe a prop from another, from the theater production. They're coming in after the history presentation. Oh, that's Then true. it's going to be the theater yeah. production. <laughs> and, and, um, and then they finish the report and the audience goes crazy. I mean, everybody loves this presentation and they stand up and they cheer. And there's this one shot. I don't know if you notice it, but it's of the, the audience of kids. And mm-hmm. <laughs> there's this, this, this fat guy and this guy behind him and they just high five each other. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. I kind of <laughs> that that was an awesome presentation. It, <laughs> that was a very historically you. accurate and well presented oral report. High five! <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. Was That's a... how we were all just expressed happiness. Back yeah, in the 80s. We just high five. They were happy. Ninja and... Turtles did it. 
we're gonna have to do that movie on this show um absolutely yeah and uh and so everyone's happy. Um, there's a lot of shots of the audience being really excited. But I have to admit to you that I was very distracted mm-hmm. by the package of the football player in the front row. <laughs> His jeans were so tight. Oh, uh, I never even noticed that. But you now didn't I'm going to have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't notice the guy's No, I never noticed it. Now, now, I'm, now, now it's all I'm going to be able to see. <laughs> he was one of the guys. He was like the last football player to give his presentation. Yeah. And like the tall blonde guy. And I noticed when he was on stage, I'm like, dang, his jeans are so tight. Like I can see everything. And then <laughs> he was in the front row and just every time they they cut to the audience clapping, I could not stop looking at his package. It was just see, now, yeah, now you just ruined everything I'm for me sorry. in this scene. I'm just that's all I'm gonna be able to focus in on. <laughs> Gay It's like it's You're... like back in the kid like Labyrinth. You know, like Labyrinth was such a fun and, and crazy adventure. And now, like, as an adult, I'm like, hey, David Bowie's package. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll never be able to watch this movie the same again. <laughs> so I was very distracted by that. But it all it all works out. Bill and Ted um, get an A and they pass. And Ted doesn't have to go off to military school. And so mm-hmm. then we cut back to Bill and Ted in their garage, back where we started. And they're playing their guitars awfully because they don't know how to play. They just want to be rad dudes. Exactly. And, you know, Ted's a little pensive. He's thinking, mm-hmm. you know, what have we learned from this excellent adventure? Maybe we should actually learn how to play the instruments. Yeah. Um. And when they decide that, then lo and behold, Rufus shows up once again with the magical phone booth. Yeah. And for some more exposition. For some more exposition. And he brings the princesses with them. Only now uh, with him, only now they're 80s princesses. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're super hot 80s princesses with 80s like cut-off lace finger gloves and <laughs> side ponytails. Presented to the men as trophies. Yes. <laughs> and they're just happy to be there. Exactly. Yeah. They're not they're not sad at all that they've been taken away from everything that they know. And love. <laughs> they will never see they're their hot family 80s chicks or friends. Now. Yeah. They don't have they don't have any need for lives. <laughs> no, they have no inner lives at all. Their no. only purpose is to be arm candy for Bill and Ted. Again, exactly. something you just go with in the movie. Just go with it. So he brings on the princesses. And you know, there's a whole slew of questions that come along with that. Like, where do the princesses live where will they live yeah how will they yeah you know i didn't even think about that yeah like what will they dress in or are they just doomed to wear those nightclub outfits for eternity like how will bill and ted get them clothes how will they don't have any discernible skills you know like they i don't know that they're trained in any kind of vocation that they could go find work they don't have any identification. You know, they don't have birth certificates or driver's licenses. There's just so many questions. Yeah. Actually, you know, Rufus doomed them to a life really, of hardship. That's he really what he did. did. He stranded them in the future. At least in the other ones, they would have been like, you know, princesses with yeah. you know, all, all the necessary protection and food and, you know, health care, I guess, of that age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did you ever watch um, Heroes? No, I, that was I, I tried so hard to get into it, and I just couldn't. The first season was amazing. It was the best thing ever on television, and then Tim Kring had no idea where to take it after that, and he ruined it. 
but uh, the the original season, there is a time traveler on that show, and there is one. This is where the show really started to fall apart. There's one episode where the main character he grabs a some random chick that he runs mm-hmm. into who you think is going to become a main character, really, and she's very interesting. He grabs her, and they travel to some like dystopian future by accident. Yeah. And then he just, like, leaves her there. Like, he travels. They have a whole series of adventures. And then at the end, like, he travels back. And he's like, well, I'm sorry. I just, I have I have other stuff to do. I have to leave you here. And I can't get you home. And he just <laughs> leaves her. And then that is, like, it. she's just trapped forever in a dystopian future. What a dick. Coming from, like, you know, 2010 or yeah. 2008 America to that. It was, like... Whatever happened to that girl? You never know. You never find out what happened. What about Barb? Yeah. What about what Barb? What about Barb? So what about Barb? that reminded me of that. That these girls got stranded, but they seem happy. Yeah. They, yeah. Again, they're 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 pleased with their life. Their yeah. lot in life. And Rufus, it's a step up. And Rufus tell gives Bill and Ted new guitars, new fancy '80s guitars, and he tells yeah that don't them, have any tuning devices. Right. <laughs> and he, but they look cool. And he tells them, you need to learn because, you know, Wild Stallion is going to become like an iconic band and their music is going to change the world. Yeah. Again, another mind bending thing. It's like Rufus has to tell them this in order for them to become the people that change the future that sends them back to the past to change the future. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. I can. Too much of a headache. Too much of a headache to think about. But you know what? The point is that they do it. They do it. They do. And and so I this is the part that I love. This is actually the part where I could see the genesis of this entire story. Because mm-hmm. isn't this really just because Rufus gives them this whole speech about how your music will be the most important thing to ever happen to the world and it will create mm-hmm. harmony and it will unite People who have been divided and will bring the world together for a new era of peace and prosperity. And isn't that yep. what every teenager says to themselves when they start a rock band? We're yes. going to change the world. It's all, yeah, every teenager at one <laughs> point in time is Bill and Ted. Yeah. There's no getting we around. We are going, our music is going to change everything. Everyone. Everyone is going to love us. They're going to respect us so much that they come up with weird salutes that, that <laughs> like stro- slow strumming guitars. Yeah. And we're all going to wear bad trench coats. It's going to yeah. be awesome. <laughs> and just, I'm going to cause it all. Yeah. Like, our, like we're the most, every teenager dreams of being the most important person exactly. in the world. And that's what Bill and Ted became. And so that's kind of the end. You know, we cut out on Rufus and Rufus kind of like shrugs his shoulders. It's like they get better. You know, and yeah. then that's it. Yeah, that's all you needed. That's all you, you needed. Roll credits. You, yeah, the ending wasn't like the ending that you actually saw. It was what Rufus told you the ending was going to be. And so you're just fine with them sucking at the end. Yeah, and it was great. Yeah. And the movie ended and I looked That's when I looked at my husband. And I was like, this movie is too good to do on this podcast. I, so I'm sorry <laughs> if you tuned in. You know, we've done some pretty cheesy movies on this podcast, some really bad movies. And typically those are the most fun to talk about. Yeah. But I I was like, this is actually a good movie. Now, Brandon, I always ask people um, when we reach the end, I always say something like, could this movie be made today and who would be in it? Now, we already know that 
they're planning this third sequel. Keanu mm-hmm. Reeves has confirmed it. I've seen pictures of him and Alex Winter in like yeah. writing booth together. Like, so that's kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. And but I do I do want to read this quote because I think it goes back to what you and I were talking about about the joy of this movie and these characters. I do want to read this quote from um, Keanu Reeves talking about this third sequel. He um, and this is before it got greenlit. He said, I'm open to the idea of that. I think it's pretty surreal playing Bill and Ted at 50, but we have a good story in that. You can see the life and joy in these characters. And I think the world can always use some life and joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and and I really hope, I don't know. The problem is I don't know if, if this movie could be made today. Um, not because, you know, it doesn't meet some kind of politically correct standards, but because of the fact that it is just pure stupid joy. Yeah. And, and there's no, like nowadays, I feel like if you're going to insert stupid joy, you know, there's gotta be some kind of like edginess to it. You know, like even 21 jump street, there was a lot of sex and drugs and, you know, cuss words and stuff like that. Bill and Ted had none of that. It was just pure, clean fun. It was. I was so surprised by that. It was very clean. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, aside from like, you know, the 80s era, what we would consider horrible nowadays, you know, the fag word and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's like the one thing. But like, no, I mean, I, I don't know if in a day when, you know, we have to have all this exposition and background and, and explanations for logistics and, you know, even even stupid superhero, superhero movies have to have some sort of like gritty reality to it. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I just I don't know if it could be made today. If it is made today, um, I, 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 I can only hope that people could like just go with it, you know, and, and not get so caught up in what's not being told to them. You know, okay, let just me, being able to sit down and have fun. Let me present this to you. Um, okay. Do you think that... Today, this movie, these movies are being made by Adam Sandler. Oh, that's a good question. I did see The Ridiculous Six. Um, I mean, if you watch almost any of his movies in the last, well, since he started, I mean, look at Happy Gilmore. Happy and, I mean, Gilmore, not be a little more crass, I suppose. Little Nicky, yeah. I, but they're all goofy, like the Water Boy. Like they're all like goofy, pointless. Yeah. Just like joke fest. It's just like him and his buddies making fart jokes yeah. and being stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, what was it? What was that family movie that he did with uh, uh, David Spade and Grown Ups? Chris Rock. I forget. Grown Ups. Grown Ups. Grown Ups. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Even that one kind of had that charm to it, that same kind of charm. But I, I, I don't I, I would say yes. Uh, in this in, in a sense, Adam Sandler is making those same kind of movies, but his do still kind of had that edginess to it, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. um, he's not afraid of, of stepping into, you know, sexual situations or using dirty language. But I mean, that's been Adam Sandler's comedy since he was first right. in comedy. I, I can remember listening to his albums, you know, his his audio only albums of skits with David Spade and, uh-huh. and some of his other guys. And they were just like, as a kid, I remember like, Oh my God, people can say that. You know? <laughs> and he kind of kept that with him in the background the entire time. I would say that while Adam Sandler does do something similar, it's not the same as Bill yeah. and Ted. And I, I, I think you're right. I think your analysis is right that we're far too cynical, 
part of the problem is podcasts like this <laughs> that, that exist <laughs> just to pick apart movies. And I have to admit yeah. that now that I've, I'm actually a filmmaker myself now and have made a movie, um, yeah. I do find it harder to criticize other movies because I realize what goes into making one. And I guess this is where I would, where I would kind of add the caveat that while I, I, I enjoy breaking down and picking apart movies, I do it with a begrudging respect for the process because to make yeah, any, absolutely. to make, to get anything made is a feat, you know? And yeah. so in that respect, they don't mean to, to denigrate people, but we're just having some fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I, I think, but typically on this show, we do do movies that are not great quality, but this movie from beginning to end, I thought it was, it was absolutely perfect. And what it was trying and to do. And it holds do. up. It holds up. Yes. That was it the other thing. Holds up. Yes. I was yeah. like, I was, it's 2018 and I was laughing like I was seeing it for the first time. Yeah, exactly. And not, not, you can't say that with a lot of movies, even movies that, you know, were made in the, in the early 2000s and stuff like that, that I really enjoyed. Like, like dude, where's my car? Yeah. You know, as a, as a teenage boy, as a young teenage boy, I thought that was one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I've watched it like a million times. My buddy and I, you know, we would get together watch that movie and then pretend to be those guys. Yeah. You know? um, but nowadays, you know, I, I actually tried watching it, I think a couple of years ago or something like that. Uh, no, 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 no. Just, just a year before. Yeah. And uh, I was sitting there watching it like, Oh my God. Yeah. This is awful. This is, this is, this is not even remotely funny. <laughs> even like, like there are some, they, it has its moments, but I'm just like, why? <laughs> you know, I had that experience with um, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yeah. I mean, the first time I saw that movie, it was the funniest thing I had ever seen. And I yeah. just watched it recently. It was on like HBO or something. And I'm like, this movie is dumb. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny oh, yeah. at all. It would like, but yeah, it was another one of those movies back in the day. I was like, this is hysterical. Oh, this is so funny. Oh my funny. God. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot watch this without laughing every freaking second. And, and now Patrick it's like. Patrick Harris is a, like a pussy hound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nowadays I look at it and I'm like, am I stupid for liking this? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was I that dumb as a kid? <clears throat> but so. this movie was different. Yeah. No, yeah. way different. There's, there's just something, and I think it's, and I think part of it is the cleanliness that helps it hold up, you know, and the fact that it, Probably. it wasn't trying to be, you know, like, like some movies like Harold and Kumar or Dude, Where's My Car, you know, they, they try to be funny and ridiculous in their plot, but then like serious in their, in their, uh, edginess. Yeah. You know, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And Bill and Ted did none of that. They were just like, have fun. Go yeah. have fun. And I did. I really did. It makes me want to go see Bill and want to see Bill and Ted's uh, bogus journey again. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, and again, I can't emphasize Keanu Reeves is so good in this movie. He is a star. Mm -hmm. He really is a star. Mm -hmm. There is a scene where um, right in the beginning where they're outside the gas station lamenting their poor history grades and what are they going to do? And Rufus drops in. And, you know, this phone booth appears out of nowhere and this future guy comes out and the first thing Keanu Reeves looks at him, he's like, uh, do you know who know who Joan of Arc was? <laughs> like, <laughs> or whatever the question was, like, he didn't, yeah. he, it wasn't his first question to be like, what is going on? He was like, uh, yeah. do you know? <laughs> and it was, and I thought that was so, there was a subtlety to that performance 
I think that yeah. can't really be appreciated. But I yeah. really liked it. I think I've always, I know people have a love hate relationship with Keanu Reeves. Because some things you look at him in and you're like, he's terrible. And other things yeah. you look at him in and you're like, that's perfect. The perfect role for him. Like he was the perfect Neo. You know, he oh, was yeah. great in speed. Um, John, I mean, John Wick. John Wick is like my all time favorite. Yeah, it like the moment I saw it, I was yeah. like, no other action movie. No. Bruce Willis has nothing on Keanu Reeves and I never knew it. Right. You know? And and, and I, John, you could say that the, that the plus sides of John Wick mirror what was so great about bill and ted it's a simple story yeah Yeah. kill guy's dog take guy's car guy goes and kills everyone yeah you know what and i'm that's actually totally true it's a total bro movie you know and and it steps away from the trope of oh you took my girl i gotta rescue her yeah no you killed his dog you destroyed his car now he's gonna come for you yeah (laughs) and you don't need and you don't get an explanation of that world you don't get like there's no you know narrative there's no you know uh nothing like words on the screen to show you you don't you don't go in being told how this world works exactly how, how why there's an entire of, underground right. world of assassins you, you that just use accept currency it. And, yeah yeah exactly and, and i think that's actually good it. yeah so, it kind of but it, it adds to it adds to the and i know we're kind of going off in the john wick territory here, but it kind of <laughs> It, it kind of adds to like, you know, the mystery behind John Wick and why he's so good. You know, he knows all this stuff. He's experienced all this stuff, lived in this world that we've never seen before. And that's why he can do all the things that he can do, despite the fact that he's just a human being, you know. And you never get so. one word of explanation. Like when the main Russian head honcho gets the call, and he finds yeah. out what his son has done. Yeah. And, and he, he knows never, he's screwed. And he doesn't say Son, John Wick did A, B, C, and D, and then X, Y, Z, and then we had this, and then this is why we should be scared of him. It was just like, yeah. oh, crap. John Wick? Yeah. We're screwed now. And you yeah. just accept that. And I, and I think that's it. Reflect that theme is kind of reflected in the Bill and Ted. It's like very simple. And I think that's where Keanu Reeves does best, when yeah. it's just simple, a simple story. I, I get that The Matrix was complicated, but Keanu's role in the first one, the the last, the other two don't count because they don't count. They were terrible. <laughs> but no, yeah. <laughs> in that first one, it was very simple. Yeah. You know, that Keanu Reeves' role was very simple. Here's a guy who he is lost and he doesn't know why. And then another guy comes along and tells me, I can show you where to go. And, so and you know what else is along. weird about that? And I feel like this should stick with, it's like the, the Keanu Reeves with a love interest for me just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, I, um, I feel like I feel even like in, in, in the Matrix, you know, like the relationship between Neo and Trinity just got in the way for Kiana, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so he's not a romance guy. I mean, I, I did like the, the chemistry between him and Sandra Bullock and Speed was great. But yeah. that's because it really wasn't fulfilled, you yeah. know, until the end there. They had a little moment and then they screwed us over with Speed, too. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I know people have a love hate relationship with Keanu Reeves. I really like him. I, I like him as a person. Even when he's, he's yeah. And even when he's bad in a movie, I enjoy watching yeah. him and I enjoy that he doesn't take the BS of Hollywood seriously. Mm-hmm. He kind of makes what he wants to make now. Exactly. He's taking advantage of, you know, I, I read an interview with him and he was like, I have enough money. I don't need more money. So yeah. I'll just make what I want to make. I'll yeah. do what I, I mean, want to do. And good on him, too. Yeah, I mean, why like not? It, 
and he, he's he's so much more than his characters or his actor his his acting career I should say you know like he he goes out and does certain parts I believe because what is necessary to do those parts is something he really enjoys you know um, like you've seen him in his competition shooting right yeah Ugh. it's he's he's so a superhero hot. He's so a superhero. Sexy. I've never seen anyone move <laughs> yeah. like him. Yeah. You know, and, and I mean, he's just so fun to watch. <laughs> and he's so respectful, too. I don't know if you ever saw a picture of him after one of his uh, one of his things. But yeah. like he's posing next to these two like beautiful girls, you know, at the shooting range. And he's got his arms kind of like uh, like around them, but he's not touching them. Uh-huh. He's hover handing. <laughs> uh... <laughs> wow. I don't know. There's a part of me that thinks Keanu Reeves might be gay. Oh, you think? Yeah, I kind of think so. Oh, man. Yeah. I, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, whatever. The point is, is that we don't know because he's a very private person. And I like that, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, no, he's I, a movie I, he's... star. He's one of the last real movie stars. There's him and there's Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. And I know that Tom Cruise is crazy, but he is like an old school movie star. No, he really the is. things you yeah. know about his life are rumor and innuendo. You don't know much <laughs> about Tom Cruise personally. You don't know who he yeah. is as a person. He is just pure movie star. He's just pure celebrity. And he gets that. And, yeah. And I kind of I kind of dig that. So um, let's move on a little bit, though. We got to wrap this up. Uh, the budget for this movie was 10 million. I know you've looked at some facts. Do you know what it made? Uh, 40 million. 40 million dollars. That's huge in 1989 yeah. for a movie that costs about 10 million. That's huge. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it opened so, to 6 million. So just yeah. one weekend to recoup over half of your cost. Mm hmm. And then it and, and and then it launched Keanu Reeves' career. And then, like on top of all the stuff that it launched, besides like a, a sequel, um, it also launched like a serial brand. It launched a cartoon. It launched a video game. Like they like the the Bill and Ted uh, uh, like IP, if you will, is just went so far. Bill and That's Ted were was. huge characters through the eighty yeah. through the nineties, really. Yeah, they were huge. Everybody loved them. Yeah, everybody loved them. Even parents, even parents loved them. Yep, <laughs> yep. And again, that is why Keanu Reeves had a hard time shaking that persona. He had a hard time shaking that character, and for yeah. a while, he didn't really want to be connected to that because yeah. Keanu Reeves really was. I mean, he's a Shakespearean actor. He has Shakespearean yeah. training. So really, what it was just you know, and it, it was harder to ditch those. Now we have so many platforms for actors to mm-hmm. stretch their acting legs across that they you, actors have a lot more choice and they can move more easily from TV to film and different genres. Yeah. But then it just wasn't possible. So it seemed like he would get stuck with that. I think in a way that's why he took the Matrix. Which yeah. to read the Matrix is a script. If you read that script, it's like it makes no sense. There's a lot of people, Will Smith passed on that role because he was like, I can't understand the script. And later on, he said, I wish (laughs) I hadn't passed on it, but I didn't understand it when I read it. And but I think that's why I'm kind of glad he passed on it. Hey, that's a that's Keanu Reeves part. Yeah, I don't care. No, I think he passed on Morpheus. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's going to be Morpheus. Oh, no. Yeah. No, Lawrence Fishburne absolutely should have played. Absolutely. 100%. But that brings me to another point of who else might have filled these roles. I mean, Polly Shore auditioned for 
the role of Ted, which is Keanu Reeves's role. Um, yeah. And knowing who Polly Shore is and who he was, I was like, yeah, you know, I could kind of see that. That's kind of what he went on, on to be and make a lot mm-hmm. of his money in the 90s as, is like a exaggerated version of Ted. But I don't think yeah. it would have been as charming. No, not, not even. It, it took both Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves to fill these parts uh, as well as they did. Yeah. I, I don't know if it would have survived with Polly Shore or anybody else, not even like Brendan Fraser. I don't even think he could have played. He plays a great airhead, but yeah. I, I don't think he would have <laughs> Airheads is a been able to. great movie, by the way. Yeah. And I don't. I just don't think that 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 would have worked out well. I yeah. think it was Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter, and that's the only reason. I wouldn't say the only reason, but it's one of the major reasons that movie worked so well. Yeah, they had great chemistry. Alex Winter, of course, went on to become a director and a producer. He's done a lot of work over the years. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't really continue on in the acting scene. I'm not sure if that was a personal choice or if just the roles didn't come through after that. Um, mm-hmm. But he's had a career, um, and I do believe his son is an actor. Um, and, and has done some things that that we may have seen. Uh, and now, of course, we hear that they're reuniting to perhaps do another one. So that's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, and let's see, what else did I want to mention? No, I think that's it. This this was movie was written in four days, mm-hmm. which I think is reflected in, in the simplicity <laughs> of the script. It yeah. was written, um, Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson wrote the script in coffee shops, handwritten, and uh, the 2005 box set features some of their handwritten notes, so that's kind of cool. But again, just a testament to what a simple plot and a good cast can get you. Yeah. Absolutely. So I don't have anything really bad to say about this movie. There were there was nothing really that inappropriate, save for that one moment, the gay moment mm-hmm. earlier on. There was really nothing inappropriate about this movie. No, it was and a I mean, really like, good movie. Yeah, aside from being a very good movie, I mean, like you know, it it had it, it it has an entire legacy that's followed it in Hollywood. You know. Yeah. Be it dumb bro movies or just you know the relationship between two dumb dudes. You know? Absolutely. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure I don't have to ask, but Brandon, would you recommend people to watch this movie? Absolutely. 100%. If you don't, you are literally missing out on a piece of Hollywood history. Yeah, I say watch. Just honestly, just for fun. You'll enjoy the movie. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, yeah, don't I, even I, watch you, it. Don't even watch it for, yeah, for, for you know, snooty reasons. Yeah. Just watch it because you want to have fun. Yeah. I, I think it's really great. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I, I loved it. It was a great pleasure to watch again. Um, Absolutely. So again, it wasn't necessarily the best movie for a podcast with this concept, but I am so glad I watched it. And I want to thank you, Brandon. I am so glad um, that you came on to talk with me about this. I had so much fun. Yeah, me too. I, swear I could really talk fun. like another four hours about it, but I don't know that you will <laughs> listen to another four hours and we both have things to do today. But um, it was a pleasure. I hope you'll come back on with us. Yeah, absolutely. I will. Yeah, that would be great. Fantastic. Um, listen, before we go, I just want to um, I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping here. Of course, you can check out some of our other shows on the Phantom Sway Network. The Red Ivy podcast is getting ready to come back with the next season of Cubs Baseball. We've got a couple of storytelling podcasts in the works. That is a lot of fun. We'll be adding some more people to the lineup in the future. So uh, don't forget to to, uh, check us out. You can find this show on iTunes. Um, Look us up on Facebook. And we are also on Twitter at 
high pods hi pods you can find me at kira creates uh brandon where can people look up you you can find me uh on twitter at the brandon morse you can also kind of look me up on facebook under the same name and uh yeah you can find links to my from my twitter to like you know my facebook and my instagram Fantastic. So, yeah, go find um, me on Twitter and you'll find everything else. Great. Next week we will be doing the 1990 classic Pretty Woman with nice. my special guest, Sonny Loman. So you're going to want to tune in for that one. Another movie that I have not watched all the way through for a while. Uh, so I'm excited to kind of sit down and, and, and do that again. I remember loving it at the time, but now it seems entirely inappropriate. <laughs> Story about a yeah. hooker. Uh, yeah. But yeah, we'll we'll get to that awesome. next week. Again, Brandon, thank you so much. No problem. It was my pleasure. All right, everyone. We will see you next week or hear you or you'll hear us on How Inappropriate. Thanks for listening. Phantom Sway. We're full of good stuff. Like that restaurant where you can get never-ending bowls of pasta. Man, that's so good. Ugh, I'm hungry right now. So, so hungry. Phantomsway.com.